Um, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley. And you promised quite a lot of stuff that we need to talk about today, and There and, is, isn't there? Yeah, it, it, it's all taking off in all sorts of different directions. <laughs> and uh, one, I, there was a quote that I got uh, this week, which was, um, I, I brought my best self to work today um, and no one seemed to like it. <laughs> So this is someone um, who'd obviously been given a lot of it. Take your best self to work. You know, just all you have to do is just turn up and be your, be your best self. So they turned up um, as, the, as the best that they could be. They, they took their best hand in hand. They walked into the office. They took their best self into work today and no one liked no one liked them. It reminds I me. I just love that. It reminds me of the, you, you often talk on these podcasts about, um, you know, um, you, you're born, you die, and the bit in the middle is the performance of your life. Yes. And yes. and the stage and presence you have on, on at work is your stage. And yeah. um, and I could well imagine this person, as you say, is turned up, suited, booted, uh, on yeah. fire, whether it's virtual or in person. And as you say, yeah, do you know, go back to being the shitty self, please. <laughs> Yeah, just because we know, we know we, we, you're authentically shit. Uh, we like that about you um, because we can do all the things that we need to do, and you just crack on being a complete whatever you are. Um, I, I I love that, and so I think it raises the whole point about um, self awareness. And you know, you go to the office. And say, well, this is my best self, and uh, I'm going to take that to work with me, and then I'm going to present it to my team. Oh dear, they think it's shit. God, you imagine coming home after that day, going, <laughs> darling, darling. I had a really bad day at the. Sat office. at the table because you, you, you went out the door in the morning, literally, you know, a catwalk style out the door, super confident. Yeah, and then come back, and then this dishevelled person sits at the dinner table with the kids, and the dog sat next to them, and the wife sat opposite. And how's your day, darling? Well, it started really well, but yeah. But no one likes me. And, and, and the wife says, I've got something else to tell you yeah. um, because I don't like you either and I'm divorcing you. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> you, you brought your best self home and I don't like that either. So, yeah, you're on your own, chum. And the kid's going to kick him in the shin just you know, as he walks yeah. past him. And the dog, as he walks out. <laughs> dog tears as he, as his he... leg off of his, uh, of his suit. Um, anyway, how are you, JB? What's, what's new your side? Well, um, I, um, I'm in my shed again, obviously, mm. and uh, I don't have to have the heating on. That I've is... got no heating in my office. It is completely self... The heat is generated by my warmth and excitement. That is very exciting, Mr Bradley. Um, I, I, it was 14 degrees here yesterday. Um, which is quite the... warm. Yeah, it is. I think that's the warmest it's been this year so far, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there are people who listen to this who'll be thinking, "Crikey, that's cold." It was I, talk, I was talking to someone in the week, and they said that they they lived in um, Thailand, I think it was for a couple of years, and they would wear a jumper at twenty one degrees. I I I don't wear a jumper beyond ten degrees. I mean, I'm wearing one today, but it's one of these single layer things. These yeah. are, it's, by, it's very clever. This is stitched in. It's not actually a shirt underneath. Oh, it's, it's life changing. You don't have to iron a shirt anymore. You just put these on, and there's I've got. Yeah, look, it's, it's what, just... there is no shirt underneath that no, jumper? No, it finishes there, look, stitched into the jumper. Go on. Do, are your pants sewn into your trousers? No, I don't change my pants, they're just they're painted on. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Anyway, I do recommend them, ladies and gentlemen. So I know, I know, um, we have a live audience as well as our recorded audience, but the podcast audience, you can get these shirts. I've forgotten what they're called, but they're basically <laughs> it's a jumper and a shirt, but it, all it is is the collar of the shirt, and then kind of it's down to just above your nipples, and then it's yeah, it just. So I've got six of them. So you also think, he always looks nice and smart. He's always got a nice shirt and shirt and jumper combi. No, it's just these jumpers. I've got these special per- Perfect for virtual communications. Absolutely, because I'm only in my knickers down below, as we've just discussed, it's painted on. Um, but I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm glad, JB, that the shed life is good and the heating is off, because I imagine that the electricity bill um, is not good in the winter, even with your great insulation. Well, ab- absolutely. Uh, can I just ask you, please don't get up and make the coffee um, if you've got nothing on <laughs> underneath, because that um, would be a little um, Zoom faux pas. Well, fair point, fair point. Okay, understood. Um, um, so, right, you've got your sexy jumper on. Yes. Um, I've got no heating in my shed, and I'm warm mm. and cosy. I suppose we ought to talk about the important things... Uh, that we promise uh, in our Global Leadership Podcast. What's that then? <laughs> I don't know. But you did say we've got lots and lots of things to talk about today. We do, we do. Right, so we have, ladies and gents, as part of today's episode, we have um, listeners' questions as ever. Um, we Ooh, have yes. we have two of those in the melting pot for towards the end of the podcast, I think. Um, in addition, um, we would like to talk about the following things. Uh, Generation Z... Um, having more support from employers and I know that may make some of the audience's listeners eyes roll because you know why do we need to modicoddle it but there is some valid points in that I think all generations can learn from Um, I I couldn't agree more with that and if I hear someone say snowflake one more time I am going to go flipping loopy loo Yes, yes. And we're not on about the weather version either. Um, And then the other thing I would like to talk about is at some point is whether bureaucracy kills leadership. Um, and I have a few case study examples to discuss as that part, but I know those were my two topics. What about you, JB? I know you had an awful lot of thinking to bring to the table today. Well, I've got a, I've got a two. If there's time, I've got another little thing about goals. Um, and I was looking through some work I did uh, when I was doing my coaching at the London School of Coaching, and there's a thing about goal implementation. Uh, which is quite interesting, which if we've got time, I'll cover that. Um, but the other thing is really about that point about self-awareness of the manager. Um, and uh, managers too often find excuses not to look in the mirror. And actually, you know, this person that I am taking to work with me, i.e. myself, yeah. uh, I can't look in the mirror and I can't see that person. I'm a bit scared of what I might see. It's funny, isn't I it? I want to cover that. No, no, that's, I mean... That, uh, Maybe we go there first because there's a really interesting metaphor, isn't there? Because I guess if I think about myself, I probably have a bit of a weight problem again at the minute. I mean, JB and I have been all too aware of over the years of our own <clears throat> battles with losing and gaining weight, etc. But I know that when I am conscious of me being overweight and I don't want to do anything about it, I don't look in the mirror. I don't weigh myself. Uh, uh. And, and I wonder whether there's a connection here is that the inner self is saying, I'm not a very good leader, but actually for my own mental health or vulnerability, I don't want to look in the mirror to, to, to understand that any better right now because I just don't have the time. And it's interesting because as you know, JB, um, in fact, as, as this podcast goes out, it will be public that you are indeed on the board of directors for the company I work for. Mm. So it, in theory, <clears throat> despite me being the head of that company, 
I'm accountable, made accountable by the board. <clears throat> and I and I think that's important for the shareholders and the employees to know that the that whilst the buck stops with me, I'm held accountable. So to your point, you are forcing a mirror in my face as an as a as a board director to say reflect I'm reflecting back on you what I think I'm hearing you say. Are you confident with that decision? Et cetera, et cetera. And I and I think you're right. I I wonder whether this whole perception of um of leadership in a mirror or poor leaders not being perhaps aware of themselves enough is either more common where it is a managing director business owner that doesn't have any accountability from above or is it across the piece but i'm suspecting you're going to tell me it's the latter not the former well um i firstly uh I, as you've made reference to to my face on uh the non-exec directors on your board on your website I don't know what you've done to my photograph, but even I found myself quite attractive uh, <laughs> look, looking looking at my my photograph. I thought, oh happened. god, who's that? Oh, who is that handsome man? Oh my god, it's me. Um, That's what happens. When you put a mirror up against yourself. If you, you, put, you see it, you know. Well, I t do, do. You ever find yourself? Uh, do you ever catch yourself looking in the mirror? No, but I have found since Zoom, the Zoom generation, that you are seeing yourself in the mirror more. Yeah. Does that mean because you, you know, right now I'm looking at you, but I'm I've got the gallery view, so you and me are both on screen. Um, yeah. And occasionally I look at myself, going, "Oh God, there's a bit of a fat chin there today." So I I, I sometimes catch myself thinking, "Oh, actually, I look alright today," but no. Yeah, so I I I lost that punishing voice um, a few years ago, and. I actually, this is going to sound really narcissistic, I actually quite like catching myself looking in the mirror. And it's like a sort of, oh, hello, good morning, how are you? I'm me, and you're looking fine today. Good, well done, crack on. Um, I do like that. There, there is one still um, thing that I, I do in the car when I'm driving along for any length of time along a motorway, uh, I look in the mirror, and I, I almost drive into the central reservation because I see my mother um, and I have a driving face uh, when I'm driving for a long journey. And I look at my face and I go, oh, my God, your lips are curled downwards um, and you look ridiculous. So I've got a, I, I channel my mother's, and my mother was a good looking woman, I have to say, but um, she uh, had a, when she was sort of resting, um, she would have a, a sort of slopey down mouth, uh, almost like she was ready to sort of drool. Uh, God rest you, mum, I'm not being rude, honestly. Um, and that's my driving face. There's a sort of drooling, um, wow. kind of sad, miserable face. And I'm not like that, really. And I, that's a bit of a shock whenever I see myself in my dry rear view mirror. Come to mention it, JB, you and me have spent an awful lot of time on planes and now you come to describe... <laughs> My dro drooling. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're drooling. <laughs> Generally after the second red wine and uh, the third course if we're in business class. But yeah, <laughs> well, um, I don't need to see a picture of your mum anymore. That's good. Job done. Tick. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. We're trying to pull this back into what we were actually talking about. Um, this guy, um, Stephen Jones, has written a piece for management today. And it's all about um, the, the excuses that managers find not to look in the mirror. And he describes this shadow that managers cast um, when they go into work. And so they either lift up the organisation or the team or the individual that they're seeing, or they drag them down with that, uh, with that face. Um, 
And he says that we really don't uh, tend to look at ourselves enough. And um, there's some work done by this psychologist that he refers to, Thomas, I hope I say this right, uh, Chamorro Premozik. Interesting name. Mm -hmm. um, and he is saying that, that managers often uh, don't uh, have enough self-awareness. And he argues, uh, this Thomas guy, that if you don't have self-awareness, self you will never be a good leader. I would agree with that, though. What, what, what's your viewpoint? Um, I, I think, you know, if you, if you are a learner, if you, if you have a growth mindset, dynamic mindset, and you want to learn and you want to improve, then you are going to work really hard. You're going to, you're going to do the work to improve your awareness of self, awareness of others, and awareness of other people's world views, um, enhancing your own worldview, developing knowledge. Um, we talk about you know team ant or team jb uh just just getting that that really good team around you who are really able to give you that big honest uh feedback about you and you know what you look like today and not not physically but you know what you, what how you're turning up and um so this guy goes on to say um the most important thing is that you have to get into the habit of receiving regular feedback. And in a team, particularly from your direct reports. I remember mm. when I was a young manager, I was a bit scared of, of negative feedback, of, you know, feedback that I didn't want to hear. I, I just kind of, it, it's almost like you were saying, I, I don't want to look at the mirror, <clears throat> but I don't want to see something that I'm a bit nervous of, that I'm I'm a bit afraid of. This and and then you get into the imposter syndrome and all of that kind of stuff. And certainly Vul I felt like that in those days. Vulnerability of your vulnerability. Yeah. Vulnerable of your own yeah. vulnerability. Something like that, I don't know. Yeah. It it's it's really interesting, JV, um, because I, I I think I think there is more of the latter than the that I think there's more of these people that actually there are some narcissists who I am perfect. I don't need to look in the mirror, but I think I think there are more people that it's led by imposter syndrome that they don't want to because maybe they don't have a way of solving what they don't know to be a great leader. They're scared of what will become more conscious in their awareness by looking in the mirror. Does that make sense? Well, absolutely. So um, I'm no, I better be careful. Um, <laughs> um, there is a a person known to me who is um, a, 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 an absolute narcissist. There is absolutely no question about it. And Do I know when, them? no, okay. but so when, it's not me, is it? <laughs> no, God, no, au contraire. Um, but when we um, meet this person, my wife and I, we, we know that uh, he is. Oh God, it's a he, right? Okay, it's narrowing down. Most of you, um, most of your friends are female as well, so that rules yeah. it down to three. Me yeah. One. yeah. So, so they, 
we have this phrase, oh, the cameras are on. And when the cameras are on, this person is is basically um, taking all the energy out of the room. Uh, they talk in a, a very loud voice, which makes it very difficult for other people to get a word in edgeways. Um, and they become this show. It's a performance and they turn it on. And that's what they like to see in the mirror. You know, that's what they they love waking up in the, in the in the morning and looking in the mirror, thinking, "Aren't I? Aren't I amazing? Aren't I brilliant?" I don't. I'm not sure that they've actually got the ability to even do the self awareness thing with with feedback. If someone gave them feedback, um, like you know, I I want to be honest with you. When you do that, it makes me feel uh, a, a little bit vulnerable. Uh, when you speak all over the place and you speak very loudly at me, um, you know, because I, I have a voice too and, you know, I, I, I'm not really feeling very comfortable about this. Uh, they would um, then target that person massively um, and and seek, seek to undermine them. So uh, um, we've got into the sort of whole area about narcissists, but actually, you know, when you think about the necessity of receiving really good feedback it's so important to make that really cultural in a team mm. um, and make space for it and actually demand it and encourage it um, openly uh, and transparency transparently I want to hear what you have to say and um, I, I think creating that space and psychological safety uh, around a manager's performance and behaviour, that's that's for, that to me at least is when you get into a really great leader when they are able to to do that and to take that feedback uh, and to do something with it. I, I those are the best leaders I've ever come across. Yeah, um, you know they're human um, and they they ask. Uh, simple questions um, like the ones um, that this guy um, Stephen Jones is talking about, which is um, being being able to say, "How am I doing as a boss?" You know, just just look, uh, we're having a beer or you know having a coffee, casual moment. Can I just ask you a question? How am I doing as a boss? And I really, really, really want you to and just keep asking those kind of questions. Is there anything I should be? Is there anything I should be doing to make your work better or make your um, make you more effective as an individual or to make this team more effective? That sort of thing. There's a name in the chat box who I think is a great example for that. I'm not going to say it for the recording, but if you look in your chat box, JB, you'll see the name I'm referring to here. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. And he's someone that I suspect is a very good example of someone that is great on... It, it, is it linked, JB, to power with rather than power over? Um, I think it's, I think that nails it quite nicely. Really, um, you know, we 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 are in this together. Um, I am part of you know. I am your support team. Um, I am part of your challenge team. Uh, I, I let let's have a deal here where I'm able to challenge you um, with with some pretty tough but very constructive feedback. And that's from the direct report. Hmm. I I think the person that you're talking about 
um, who is a wonderful, wonderful communicator, by the way, everybody is the most, he, he has that warmth when he w walks into a room and he um, he's very interested in what other people are thinking. He has a real, he, he, if someone says something, um, he wants to support it by asking questions, but he's not afraid to challenge and challenge quite firmly uh, if there is something that's been assumed. Yes. Um, and I, I, I really like that characteristic um, in really great leaders like him. Um, just to wrap this up um, on this point, because I know we've got lots to cover off. Um, this guy says, you have to make it easy for people to provide you with negative feedback and then thank them for it. Um, we see ourselves in the reflection of others, but managers find multiple excuses to not look in that direction and only seek praise and positive feedback. I've been there. I have been there. Uh, and I and I guess it's 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 kind of um, growing up um, so that you can show vulnerability and show empathy. It's funny you um, mentioned this um, this uh, seeking and thanking for feedback, good and bad. I was, <clears throat> I <clears throat> at the end of my very long working day yesterday, went up to the lounge and I normally, before I go to bed, just have a glass of wine, just to kind of, you know, um, um, for medicinal purposes. And of course. Um, the office was on, UK Gold was on, I'm presuming my wife had been watching it previously. So UK Gold was on and the office, which is, for those of you that don't know, then you've, where have you been? But the office is based on a, uh, it's a sitcom, but it gives the impression of a fly on the wall documentary of this this office. And De De Ricky Gervais, who's David Brent, in this particular episode, was doing appraisals. Um, and um, one of the questions in this appraisal document that he's having with this individual, who is this lady who's the receptionist at this company, fictitious company. Um, one of the questions to this receptionist was, who do you see as influential in your life? And um, he sat there and he said, so, you know, who, who, who is it? And his body language is kind of hinting. Come on, you've got to say me, surely, because I can document it and give it to my head office. <laughs> and then she, she goes through all these different names of yeah, my, my, my mum. She's really, you know, she's, she's certainly influential and really inspiring to me. And for, OK, what, forget your family. And then he said, well, there's, um, there's, there's, there's Lindsay in account. He said, Look, OK, forget women. What about men? What, what about men? And then she said, well, well there's, there's Tim in, in say. And, and then he went. No, 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 no. They're, they're, he's more of a mate than you know. So who, who else? Who, who else? Might, and then she, well, I suppose, I suppose there's you. And then, and he said, ah, oh, great. He said, well, you know, that's that's a bit awkward, isn't it? You know, you say me, and she said, okay, I'll say Tim. And then he says, no, I'll just write down. And it's and it was hilarious because it really it articulates your point so well that some of these managers that just un, that even if they look in the mirror, it's it's too blurred or warped. It, it's funny, yeah. There you go. Should we move on to my one? Go on. Sorry. It reminds me of um, when I interviewed uh, for managers. I I used to ask them um, who who inspires you most, and I'm not joking. If they said cliche cliche Winston Churchill um, or Richard Branson, uh, I would I just go. Uh, I I I I really wouldn't necessarily want to continue with the interview but if they said my mum or Jim um, my previous um, you know sales director or you know a, a friend of mine then then they've got my attention 
and I'd think, okay, so you're not giving me the cliche old, you know, nonsense. Mm. Uh, you, you're actually talking from the heart about someone who actually really, really does inspire you or had inspired you. So that was a little test I used to do, rightly or wrongly, uh, in mm. my in my interviews um, for people. It is interesting. Mm. It is interesting. Uh, and actually, it's funny because my default would probably be a family member. But um, however, there's reasons for that. But equally, as I go through my life, there are other people that inspire me too. So it's interesting. So my now I, I know if yes. I ever go through an interview again, I'm not going to pick the first choice. I'm going to pick the second or third. Yeah. I, you see, I think I, my my I suspect that if you were ever interviewed, uh, when everything goes Pete Tong, um, I wrong, wrong, wrong rhyming slang. Just in case we've got people from other parts of the world thinking, what is he talking? Who's Pete Tong? Yeah. Um, I reckon you would talk about people in your life who've kind of done made a bit of a difference for you. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, authentically. Um, <clears throat> yeah. What do we? Let's jump. Should we jumble things up a bit and go for a listener question? Ooh, or, goodness. Oh goodness! Um, oh no, no. Sorry, am I putting you on the on the spot, Ant? Um, I, I can I can get it if you if you want to ramble for thirty. Seconds. Oh no. Okay. Well, whilst you're doing that, then I t- I was doing um, I was going through some coursework that I did um, at the London School of Coaching, and I was reminded, and I'm really happy that I did remind myself about this. And it was a study conducted by this guy called Golwitzer um, in 1997. And it was all about uh, the importance of implementation intention. So if you've got a lovely old goal, a goal attainment, and you want to get that goal, and that's your mindset, I'm going to get that goal, the idea that Goldwitzer talked about was, okay, good. So if if that is your goal, then what specifically must you do to attain it? What is your implementation intention? So it's the other part to the goal intention. So you've got a goal, I get that, but now... If you then go on to focus on the implementation intention, the implementation of that goal, so this is where SMART can be quite handy in terms of, you know, the implementation involves what. So if if that's your goal, then, then what's the plan? Then what's the implementation behind it? So if, for example, we were in a coaching session... Uh, we would draw out uh, the the goal um, and, you know, what, what the actual plan was. But it's so important to get the implementation intention in to underpin the goal, you know, what their plan is, what they're actually going to do. The statistics and the research that Golwitz did was that that behavior the implementation mindset when you use it is going to make that goal so much more likely to happen so when we've got someone saying yep i've got a goal thank you very much i'm going to go and do that okay whoa 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 
let, can you talk to me about your implementation intentions, what your plans are? Um, so if that's your goal, uh, then what's your plan? Makes it, when they say it and they, they, they commit to it and they promise it uh, and they promise the implementation behind the goal, it's going to be that much stronger. So it was a reminder to me uh, when we're talking about objective, objective setting rather than just a micromanagement of task, this implementation intention is a very, very important uh, part of the manager's toolkit to get things done. Very interesting. That was, that's quite a long little um, cover for you to find the yeah, question. I've got... But I just... I thought it'd be handy just to remind ourselves about stuff like that. Yes, me too. Right, so the listener question. Yes. I, I would prefer less anonymous ones, but again, we do get these tricky ones and I'm guessing that's why we get them. So the question is, how ethical is it to dismiss someone if their face doesn't fit for the company? Oh, well, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so you were doing your monologue, so I have had a chance to kind of collect my thinking. So feel free to, p I will pad with my answer until we get the, the money shot from yourself. Oh God, no um, How ethical is it to, to dismiss someone if their face doesn't fit in the organisation? It's, um, it's a tricky one, as JB says. I think face fit is, is going to condition me on the subjectivity of that face fit. Um, if it's that they are bringing disruption to the organisation because of their style and attitude not being in keeping with the company's values, it 100% is the right thing to do to exit that person. If the face doesn't fit, but actually you think this person has good intentions, I would say that rather than fire them, you really need to have a conversation with them about how they can fit better in the organisation before reaching that conclusion. If it's a simple case that actually you're a bit of a clique, I would say, is that really the right thing to do? And what does that tell you about your organisation's culture and yourself if you are the person that's going to do that firing? Again, the question doesn't elaborate enough for me to understand whether you are the, the line manager or otherwise, but that's my initial thoughts. I'm... I don't have that much more on it because the question is a tight question, which is great, but there's a lot of follow-up questions I'd like to ask, really. Well, it reminds me of um, some research which I read, uh, and I think it was Google-led, and it was about uh, the value of having a diverse team coming from lots of different angles and uh, perspectives. Um, and they would put a team together now that uh, had really, really good uh, quality people who were able to communicate, collaborate, um, people that you could trust high high skill high will but they weren't necessarily high technical you know in their own field so the, i think the idea is that you you you'd pay someone more for their ability to get on communicate collaborate 
and and be part of a good team with others rather than the technical skill that they uh, have brought to the team. So it's, it's more important that the team functions well. Uh, so this point about this person not fitting is interesting. Is it uh, because the team is rejecting mm. this person's performance or behaviour? I'd, I'd be interested in what is what is the the problem with the rest of the team looking at this person. Are they are they threatened by this individual? Um, is is the team in that kind of dynamic mindset place where it's a learning a learning team uh, and a thinking team? If if this person's joining that team where they are a dynamic team and they are high trust team and high performing, and this person's coming along and they're not buying that. They don't. They want. They don't want to take part or take responsibility even for their own thinking and the way that the others are, um, and the trust. The trust thing uh, isn't there. You know, they, they're not turning up consistently. They're not turning up with any caring for the other team members, um, and you know they're not candid and honest in giving feedback to other team members and possibly even you, the boss. If if all of those things apply, then maybe their face doesn't fit. But maybe it might fit elsewhere. Maybe, maybe there's another place uh, where they can fit in beautifully. Mm. Is it is it a relationship difficulty with a with a strong member of the team where there's some friction? And some tension going on, and it's swaying others. Uh, I found that before, where there's a kind of ringleader. Um, the initial, it's like it's like getting, um, you know, a, a sort of infection in your body, and you're trying to beat it. Uh, you know, the initial um, thing is to kind of try and reject that. Um, Good stuff that's coming in because you you know your body's often a little bit confused about what's going on. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I, I think the point no. is <laughs> uh, um, that that you know that sometimes we can um, reject others too soon, um, and we haven't actually had the big honest conversation about uh, what is this, you know, what's what's going on here uh, in terms of this this person's. Um, honesty in terms of this person's um you know ca- capability of communication and collaborating with other team members if they're not then then you know maybe their face doesn't fit and yeah. let them go i don't think that's an ethical issue that's not an ethical issue at all no no i don't know i i it, it, without knowing more about it it's really hard but exactly. i just the only went thing, on a went on a ramble the only thing i'd add to everything that jb's just said and my further thinking during his conversation is um if you think it is right for their own well-being and confidence and competence for the future to not be in the business in other words actually by staying in the business could be harmful to their mental health and other things then that that may be another food for thought possibly but anyway look um we've got uh, other topics to cover but hopefully we've answered mm-hmm. it 
I was talking to someone last week and I said, I find it really frustrating that we answer these questions. And I think to date, we've not had one person come back to us with how it went. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. So what did you do? Did you fire them? Did you decide to keep them? Um, you know, th- those yeah. types. It, it would be, anyway, so if you're listening, excuse me. Oh, <gasps> sorry. <laughs> I just couldn't help You're not there. getting enough bloody sleep, are you? No, I slept in this morning. I got up at 8.55. Obviously, the commute to work was two and a half minutes, so it was nice. Um, anyway, right. The next topic I would like to bring to the table then, Mr. Bradley, would be, um, does bureaucracy kill leadership? Um, mm. Now, I'm going to give a really simple case study to this. And it's, um, it, if I'm honest, I was walking the dog thinking of topics that we could talk about. Um, and... Um, it's something that I suspect can define an organisation if it's over-bureaucratic and therefore what does the leader do? And let's think public sector for a moment. So I'm going to give a really simple example that town centres across the UK, as an example, are now on their knees and I think that's due to poor leadership of the councils across the UK of all political persuasions for their lack of leadership and taking risks and actually taking some decisions now let me give you a bit of context to that i said about 10 years ago now that all town centers should cancel parking charges to keep the high street alive and i remember it being debated hotly in various local press publications around the uk and the reason i was fully aware of this was because um, i was working for a company at the time that was working in lots of local authority areas with a particular challenge and things around security and safety and things but that's by the by um and i remember thinking they were being greedy because they wanted to introduce a lot of these kind of additional levies for town center business owners to pay the council to then invest in the area well that's what your council take your business rates are paid for your business rates were, were extortionate compared to Um, online retailers and you were also creating a tax for people to come and visit that town centre now in the 80s and 90s maybe that was the way to do things but ultimately poor leadership and over bureaucracy and a lack of being able to change anything because nothing would get through but this bureaucratic process has ultimately killed our high street now um, the the reason I think um, that this could have been prevented is if you look at our friends in the US which I know a number of you are listeners there are still a number of shopping destinations around the US that thrive. If you look at some of the big chains over there, the Macy's and um, and the other big names I, that, that I've, sorry, I've lost, but whilst all their height, their kind of city precincts around the country have started to also suffer, shopping destinations, which have always had free parking, have become a thing to do, has helped them retain their thing. And actually... I don't know about you, JB, but after this lockdown's done, I would quite enjoy going and browsing and physically picking up some clothes and trying them on again like we used to. Um, and I think, unfortunately... I think you need to get some new pants as well. New pants and some more of these lovely shirts. Yeah, yeah, you'd get a load of those. But 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 back back to my original point, I think there is a pri- really simple example of where bureaucracy has killed the ability of a leader to lead. So I'm trying to work out, as a leader... How do you reduce bureaucracy? Because there could be decisions that are made by consensus or a lack of decision because no one can reach consensus. But if you are the leader, you're paid to take that risk. You you are supposed to be hired and fired on your decisions. 
And therefore, number one, in public sector life, does that mean the role of a CEO of a council should be done by, got, got away with? Because if you're regulated by a bunch of councillors that are paid next to nothing, who are typically bureaucratic and have opinion and, hey, look at the viral videos about how some of these council meetings go, um, then, you know, why do we need a leader if it's a bureaucracy, if it's, it's a local democracy? Um, but equally, if leaders aren't prepared to take risks that may lose them their job, then what are we paying them the big bucks for? discuss well uh, so where you have innovation there's always a bunch of administrators and bureaucrats who want to come and tie it up in knots and make it very difficult to actually deliver it hmm. so i think there is a requirement for a leader to be uh very very uh focused because uh their the future of their company depends on the clarity that they bring to the party and you know, I, I, I think that uh, th there's a tendency uh, for uh, an over-bureaucratic approach in some organisations um, and public sector areas where uh, it's safe, it's safer to um, question why it can't happen and to regulate and to over-regulate. There's, a, there's enough regulation and bureaucracy outside the organisation imposed on the organisation without people inside the organisation becoming over-bureaucratic and to create too many cogs, too many wheels, too many systems inside. Uh, yes, sure, you know, there are health and safety issues that we need to take into account. And there are regulatory measures that we need to take. Obviously, mm -hmm. it's a given. Um, but I think it is important for a, 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 mean, a management team uh, to be really tough on things that get in the way um, and systems that actually are unnecessary. Uh, whole jobs are of jobs worth uh, industries are created around bureaucracy and administration, and I think a a good a good leader knows how to identify those areas that are a waste of time, and those that are important, uh, and uh, compliance being a key word. Those are important things that we need to do. The rest, maybe we we don't need it. And, and I think a sign of a really good leader is when the, a, an organisation is bureaucratic light. You know, that we've cut through the bureaucracy, we've identified it, um, and we may well have got rid of it because the focus is clear. So if, you, if you've got, uh, you know, you've narrowed everything down to a really strong focus for the organisation, uh, if there's an abundance of that, uh, you'll find an absence of bureaucracy. That's my view. No, no, no. I'm listening to the clocks in sync now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's. It, I think there's a there's a relationship between focus and everyone understanding what that focus is. The narrowed down into one damn focus that we've all got to achieve, then there's a lot of things that just don't make sense that we're wasting our time on. So get rid of those. Maybe there's a whole episode on leadership in, in democracies 
not not your political parties, I mean, but actually at a grassroots level, if you will. Because I suspect there could be lessons, you know, oh God, I'm now, now, now I'm edging into pissing off a portion of our listeners here. Oh dear. As, as in, well, as in I think you often read articles about poor leadership in, in hospitals in the UK, which is, is, is public funded, not private hospitals, you know, poor leadership in this particular case or or poor leadership in that. And I, and I do wonder whether there is lessons to be learned both directions. There you go, I've disclaimed myself now. As in actually, how can the private sector learn from the public sector about decision-making being slightly more bureaucratic? Yeah. But on the other end of the spectrum, I personally think there is probably more lessons, there you go, I've said it now, there's more lessons to be learned by the public sector from what the private sector do. Because I do think, I mean, look at I me, mean, look at this awful, shocking situation with the track and trace app. This lady oh, that, that was heading up that business, and I think the wage bill was a hundred million a day or something stupid because they were paying a thousand people a thousand pound a day. And it takes you months to plan that group of people. So these people are billing a grand a day and doing sod all with it. So, you know, it, yeah, bonkers in there. Well, I think I think that in fairness to the public sector, I I think that they uh, their bureaucracy um, is you know the 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 drivers between but but between their um, bureaucracy, the drivers driving their bureaucracy is actually it's quite obvious. You know we can we can see it. it it's layered and layered and layered. It's far more obvious in the public sector i would argue in the private sector there are there are hidden drivers of bureaucracy and over administration um and over ordering um and over systemizing i think they're more hidden controversially in the in the private sector uh than they are in the public sector i think in the public sector they are obvious they are exposed hopefully um, and they're there, and you just you look at them, and you think, "Oh my God, how can you possibly uh, be putting in another, you know, another layer, and another team, and another structure, and a structure on a structure on a structure?" It's it's actually much more obvious in the in the private sector. I think some of these drivers are a little bit more hidden, and that's where the CEO has to root them out. Um, but they root them out when they are clear about the focus and direction of the organisation. And I, having worked with quite a few organisations now uh, around the world, I know when I, I can smell that focus, uh, I can feel it. I can the language of you know meeting someone in the reception area. Um, you get the focus of the organisation quite quickly, and you you see an absence of bureaucracy or you see an abundance of bureaucracy that gets in the way and you, you can you can just sense it and a good ceo has a nose for it and asks the big questions about it i think it's a really interesting subject to to, to dwell more on but i'm conscious of time and we wanted you to talk about your other topic didn't we well i tell you what there are two um two books uh in my bookshelf which are quite um handy on the subject of focus, funnily enough. Uh, one is by Al Reese, um, who wrote uh, The Immutable Laws of Marketing with Jack Trout. Um, but Al Reese's book is called uh, Focus, and that comes at 
focus from a marketing perspective and about having the absolute clarity about the direction of a, an organization. He prefers to call it a focus than a vision or anything else. What's the focus of this business would be his first question, walking into a board. Um, not into a board, but a board of directors. You know, what's the focus of this business? And then the conversation would come from that. And the other one, looking at it from an emotional perspective um, and, uh, you know, what, what, what are the drivers in humans that create more bureaucracy or less? Um, same title, Focus, by a guy called Daniel Goleman, uh, who's written some fabulous books. And one of them is about emotional intelligence. Uh, this is going a little bit further with uh, the book called Focus. So two books, my recommendations. Read both. Uh, they're quite interesting. Is that there it? we are. Wow. Yeah. Well, we have a time for another listener question then. Oh, goody. Um, and this one's more of an informal one. Um, and I think we've asked, been asked this question before. So hey-ho. But I, I can't brace, know what brace, it, brace. Oh, no, it's, it's a nice question, um, which ironically okay. is not dissimilar to what we were asked, um, which is what traits do you look for in an inspiring leader? Uh, and I think we were asked before who was the most inspirational leader we ever had. And ironically, JB asked earlier on about inspiring leaders, didn't you? So, or is someone that inspires you? Is that, yeah. your, is that your leg creaking or is that your um, back door? Oh, that's the that's the um, neighbour's house being re- rebuilt, oh, rebooted. Um, I think that one of the big things for me is, oh, this is going to sound so ridiculous really, but Someone who actually does really genuinely give a shit about the people in their organisation, that they are authentically, genuinely caring about the people. And I I know, well, we know someone in an organisation, a CEO, uh, who actually demonstrates quite a lot of care and kindness uh, for their people. It's a global organization. And there is an example of a disaster that happened in a part of the world where they operate. uh, And they were very caring at a time when, you know, those people had a great deal of difficulty um, and they provided a, a lot of support. So that's not for the cameras, you know, you, you know those those are those people are on the narky spectrum. Hmm. Uh, this guy is not. No, uh, quite the opposite. And you know, I I've worked with um, you know some people like William Rogers, Sunday Times best company to work for, leader, three times in a row. Uh, what what was it about him that marked him uh, as a great leader for me? He genuinely cared about his people, and my goodness, he knew them. He knew their names. Uh, he knew their backstory, what job they did. Um, you know, loads of different locations all over the UK. He knew these people, and he loved them absolutely. Um, you know, loved them, and still does. Um, I know that for a fact. He's not there anymore. Um, you know, just that that point alone. Uh, is worth an awful lot. On top of that, you've got someone who is a brilliant communicator, um, 
and able to inspire their people with brilliant stories and uh, being consistent in the way that they turn up at work, not turning up as a monster, uh, taking their really genuinely taking their best best person to work with them, i.e. themselves. Um, so being consistent in that. I think honesty, you know, just being a really decent, honest human being uh, who can provide damn good, honest feedback and at the same time is prepared to give people a damn good listening to. I I like that. I, I think that's really important. Um, I think that's enough on on what I, uh, you know, what, what I, inspiring leaders do all of those things. And of course, they, they, they create growth for the business and their people. Okay. From my side, not much different, really. Um, apart from adding in authenticity, um, I think the leaders that we see um, that bring their real feelings and understanding into the workplace makes for a better authentic leader those that start the conversations with how the family rather than how's the business i think kind of again mm. aside with caring is is authentic because if they're an authentic leader those will be important parts of their their thinking i was um Having, I was, I was doing an interview with uh, with someone we've now taken on. They start in a few weeks' time with the company I work for, and um, she said one of the things that she felt she she used to work in a um, a government organisation, shall we say, and coming into the private sector, she said, and this surprised me actually because I didn't anticipate it. She said, in the organisation I worked in previously, your work friends were your family, and I missed that in the private sector. And it really was quite a compelling statement because to your point around parents, leaders that care, um, almost, I wasn't going to say parents, but now that word's come out, then maybe that's something that I should think about. But, um, but I, but I, it, it, it struck me because actually how caring are we of our people and how much do we care for our people and do we create a family environment? And I think we do to an extent, perhaps not to the extent that this lady was saying to me, but um, but it was really interesting that she said that the fit of the company and its passion for its people is what would, ironically, is made, was made appealing for her to apply for the job because the advert suggested our culture was we, we work together, we spend time together, and we laugh together, we win, we lose together. Hopefully, not too often, we cry together. Um, and and I think that's important. And I think that from from a from a leader perspective, they need to be vulnerable and show that they are equally as one. You know, authentic. JB talks about power with rather than power over. All those things would be stuff for me. That there's there's my additional elements to what JB's already said. Hopefully, that's useful. Oh, by the way, that I, we can name that person, Catherine. Ah, don't know where from Catherine. Um, that's I love that question. Actually, it's a really nice one, just to to refresh one's memory about <laughs> what we're doing here, and you know that balance between doing what's right for the organisation and doing what's right for the people. Uh, you know, I I I think that's the real test for a good CEO. Are you, have you got that right? 
You know, have you got it right? Are you doing what's right for the business and all its stakeholders, uh, including its people? You know, are you going to be famous for that? Mm. And that's a test on every every manager's head, I'm sure. Well, hopefully. And if they are using a mirror, hey, looping this in go. nicely. Oh. Um, if if they're using a mirror often enough, they will be able to take a spot test as to whether they think they are achieving both of those things. And on that note, I think we're our, our hour is nearly up. But without us um, asking the plans for your weekend ahead, I know we're doing this on a Thursday rather than a Friday this week. But what are you? What's what's happening in the next few days in in the world of Bradley? Uh, well, um, so I'm taking a wall down. I beg your pardon. I, I'm taking a wall down. I'm looking forward to removing a wall in my kitchen, and there is a gas pipe running through it. Um, okay. and some electricity cables. So if you don't hear from me again, uh, I got it slightly wrong. I'm slightly more worried, JB, that your kitchen is in your basement, isn't it? And on the basically taking out a wall, that's not going to have the floors above them falling on, you know? Well, I am reliably informed that it is not a load-bearing wall. Uh, it is a partition wall, and uh, I think it's safe for me to remove it, except for the fact that it has a gas pipe running through it Fine. and some electricity cables and those two together. I'm relatively, right? yeah. My my plumber is uh, a mate, and he's a bit ooh, he's a bit ah, and he's a bit oh yeah, you'll be all right. Ah well, don't worry about it. Let's have another couple of beers, mate. He's one of those, and I love him to bits. But I am so you know you 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 built a shed, you can knock down a bloody wall. Uh, so yes, that's what I'm going to try and do on my Todd, okay. uh, this weekend. Then he's going to come in next week. Uh, is it next? Yeah. On Thursday or Friday next week. And bury said gas cable in the ground, uh, which is not something that I would be prepared to do. No. But I, my job is to expose gas cable, uh, and for him to bury it. So next week's podcast, I'll be hosting with a, a guest <laughs> a new co-host. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that you'll revolve every week. Yes, yeah. Like, um, yeah. Nice, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's that's the highlight. Uh, I sh- I'm going to try and do a barbecue this weekend. Is it going to be that uh, good weather? I don't... I, I, I think it may well be... My stepsons are gagging for a bit of meat off the barbecue and uh, my wife doesn't like that much because she's a vegetarian but she'll have to just Saturday yes 12 degrees in clear blue skies that'll do so crack open a few beers barbecue a bird and knock down a wall not necessarily in that order it is (laughs) yeah it's yeah it's going to be very very Tarzani around here over the weekend. What about you, Ant, with your little Tarzans? Uh, you, you've inspired me. I think we may well get the barbecue out and 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 do some stuff on the Barbie. I like that Barbie. idea. Um, we um, have some DIY jobs to do. Um, we have, unfortunately, a relatively new build house, and the plasterboards that the builders have used are pretty useless. They seem to crumble with any rule plug that goes in. So I've had to go and get some special ones that fan out. Um, inside the wall void to clamp on the back of it I love those ones I've got loads I've got a whole box of those so they yeah they've arrived and they look very exciting very mechanical I I love looking at them I love looking at raw plugs and I'm holding them 
at any given opportunity, I like to finding have a rule plug in my arm, all, all in these, my hand. All these new things we're finding out about <laughs> JB, where he puts his, his expanding rule plugs is anyone's guess, but um, but there we go. Um, so some DIY, I think we're going to do a barbecue. Um, if the weather is looking good, we want to spend more time outside. We've been in this house, we moved in late August, and it's been it was wet and, wet and miserable throughout September, October, then it's been too cold, so we've not really been able to enjoy the outside space. We also need to sort out the garage because uh, the garage the uh, for, for those guys in America um, no. is that how they say it? I don't know they don't call it garage though do they? I got picked garage? up on the other day I said garage and um, someone just laughed and I just, I'm saying garage how do you say it? garage garage it's, that's not how it's spelt it's garage surely yeah anyway we need to sort out our garage yeah. garage um, because unfortunately, since it's moving in here, we have a five-bedroom house worth of cardboard boxes that need flat packing and sorting out. And the and the garage um, is literally floor to ceiling. It's a six meter by six meter. It's a decent sized garage, and it is three quarters full of rubbish. I'm just thinking, Nigel Farage, Nigel Farage. Does that work? It does, but I know that uh, one of your one of the people that you're you're quite popular listening to on LBC um, does refer to him as Gar- uh, Farage, doesn't Ga- it? Farage, that's right. Yeah, Farage just, just and Garage because he doesn't like him. Um, but yeah, there you mm. go. Anyway, and that's my weekend. Um, but I'm also looking to try and get some R and R. It's been rather brutal the last few weeks, and I'm starting to feel the the exhaustion kicking. And next week is going to be a really full on week because our uh, consumer business launches which of course you'll be well aware of now being on our board of directors boss i know i know it's all it's all kicking off I, it's terribly exciting the whole thing um and yeah the book by the way is is yeah i know i haven't talked about it for a while because um i didn't realize how long it takes to publish a damn book Normally. you know there's so many typesetting non bits of nonsense you have to do anyway we we are now absolutely um we're, we're so nearly there. Uh, honestly, by the end of March, I will be sending you a copy of the the book oh. to read, Ant. Very um, nice. While I'm cooking my barbecue meat, and you're doing Tarzan shit around your house. Yeah, no, it's um, it is it is massively exciting. But there's an awful lot of work always to do in the launching of a book. But it will be available on Amazon in April, and um, I will be obviously plugging it relentlessly uh, all over the shop. And um, nice. yeah, hopefully the listeners will be able to participate. It will be a li- uh, available in um, hardback and also uh, in um, on the on the Amazon um, online Kindle thing, Kindle edition. Yeah. <laughs> you see, how, that's why it's taken so long because yeah. everyone's trying to get me to understand. Where, where do you want to publish it? He just sits in his chair, going, um, <laughs> oh, "I don't know." You wrote, you wrote a book in six weeks, and it's taking six years to try and get this yeah. word out of your mouth where you well, want it to go. I'm just hoping that someone will give me an agent one day, and I can just say to everything that ever comes my way that I don't like, we'll just speak to my agent. Nice. I, don't, I, I don't understand these things. Speaking of launches, um, Seedle yeah. uh, Radio goes live next week. Ooh. which um, is now in testing. So if any of the listeners want to have a little tune in, in fact, I was asked by a client this week, are your podcast going to be broadcast on them? And well, that's an interesting thing. I said, but it's a music station, not a speech station, but who knows for the future? Who knows? Uh, but yes, Seedle Radio, S-E-E-D-L radio.com is the, uh, is the, is the place to go. Um, anyway, um, I'm conscious of time. We are a little bit over our hour. So um, thank you very much for your time. I've been Anthony Price. 
And I've been Jonathan Bradley and hope that you have a lovely, lovely weekend, whether you're in your garage, your garage or outside. Hopefully you can all get outside and have a, have a lovely weekend of, of lovely things, beers, food and merriment. Goodbye. Goodbye.